another episode of H2O in the Know, the podcast in which we discuss all things related to bottled water. In today's episode, we'll talk about ways bottled water companies can enhance their messaging to make their brand stand out in a crowded market. Our guest today is marketing consultant Jim Carr, who's a coach, writer, speaker, and last but not least, host of the Manager Message podcast. I'm your host, Chris Torres, and Jim, thank you for joining us on the show today. How are you? Oh, terrific, Chris. Well, it's it's great to be here. Um, I obviously like the podcasting thing. I uh, enjoy yours, and it's always a pleasure to speak to my friends at IDWA. Thank you, Jim. And let's dive right in here. Let's get started. So you're big on messaging. And in the presentations that you give around the country, you talk about the need for people and companies to manage the message. And as I mentioned a second ago, you even host a podcast by that same title. In particular, you focus on why companies should always be mindful of how they engage with customers. Can you explain what you mean by managing the message? Sure. And in many ways, Chris, I define managing the message by what it is not, meaning it isn't about your mission statement or slogan or traditional advertising or promotions. It isn't even necessarily about social media. Now, all of those things might have a role in your business. They're important. But the reality of marketing today is that consumers and customers are driving the conversation and the vast majority of word of mouth even in this more digital age, happens offline in everyday normal conversation. Jonah Berger researched this for a book called Contagious, and he found that across industries, on average, this number might blow your mind, more than 90% of word of mouth happens offline. So that's why I think about managing the message as a big growth opportunity that's often hiding in plain sight. The bottled water industry, and especially on the HOD side, is a very personal business. Your listeners have regular face-to-face contact with customers, and you sell something that people put in their bodies every day. So it makes business sense, especially in this industry, to recognize that while you can't control that everyday natural conversation, you can indeed manage it. And if you aren't managing those conversations, I see some bad things that can happen to the business. And the first, the one that I probably hear the most, is inconsistency. I call it cowboys. Everyone is kind of having the cowboy mentality. They're doing things their own way. Everyone's telling their own story. The second problem that you might recognize in your business is crickets. Like the crickets are chirping because not a whole lot is happening, which probably means you could use more people helping to tell your story and share the message. And the third one that I see is sounding like everybody else. It's what I call commodities. That means your message isn't distinctive. It isn't different. So if if you're seeing evidence of cowboys or crickets or commodities in your business, there's plenty of good news. You don't necessarily need to change your product line or pricing or even the people in your business, just the way that people who are close to your business talk about it. So it becomes, Chris, a very solvable, manageable problem. All right. Now, managing the message doesn't just apply to customers. Why is it important for companies to manage the message internally? That's an important point. Just as the industry overall is very personal in nature, in the way that any of us talk about our work is also by nature very personal. Your employees, and I would also include current customers, suppliers, everyone close to the business, needs to believe in what they're saying. You want those employees to carry a message consistently, so they need to believe, hey, yes, that's us. That describes my work and my value. Your everyday business message for actual human conversation needs to be something that feels natural, not forced, not too salesy, as some people might 
might say, but helps your people feel informed and helpful. And that's something people can remember in the moment when they have the opportunity. So that's why mission statements and slogans aren't necessarily the best foundation for equipping people internally for those everyday conversations. Again, the message certainly shouldn't be in conflict with your mission or vision or your advertising messages, but but instead it needs to be translated and, and simplified. So when I work with companies and put together their messaging, I always want to include people from lots of different perspectives and parts in the company. So certainly the customer facing employees, but also that so-called back office. You know, a lot of business owners, Chris, they tell me a major issue for them these days is recruiting and retaining great employees. With low unemployment rates across much of the country, there's a real squeeze on talent. So to your question, a key part of companies' growth plans is to make sure you have enough of the right internal talent in place. So you have to be selling your company as a great place to work at the same time you're you're selling your products. So that's why when I work with companies on their messaging, we make sure we cast a real wide net. And this is something you can do yourself in your business. But just don't confirm with only the sales and marketing teams. Everyone needs to see their fingerprints on that message to some degree to know it's a good representation of their work and their value. So let's talk a little bit about the characteristics of uh, messaging. What or who do you say would make a good messenger? Yeah, good messengers come in many forms, uh, just not necessarily in the forms that you and I have generally been taught over the years. Here's the most notable, maybe the most surprising answer uh, to that question is that extroverts don't necessarily make the best messengers. Now, I had for many years assumed that extroverts were the most persuasive people, the best salespeople. And it makes sense, right? Extroverts get a lot of energy from talking to other people. They tend to have a pretty thick skin. They'll make the extra call. They'll knock on one more door. But a few years ago, I saw some research with real salespeople and valid measures of their personality types. And as it turns out, surprisingly to me, that when you take all the factors into account, Extroverts are no better at sales than are introverts. And just as important, neither extroverts nor introverts are as effective as people in the middle. Some researchers call those of us in the middle ambiverts. They're kind of like being ambidextrous, right? You can use your left hand, right hand equally well. I call them the nimble majority because most of us are in the middle. I am an ambivert. I do like, as you mentioned, speaking and being up on stage and being with other people until the point when I don't and I need to recharge. So the good news is that most of us are in the middle. So most of us are naturally wired to be good messengers. And I think that's both a relief as well as a challenge for businesses and, and your listeners. It's a relief because most of the people in your business with a little guidance and encouragement and the right tools can be very effective advocates for the business. The challenge is that there's really no good excuse um, for not involving everybody and not leveraging their own talents. What do you think are some habits that companies should avoid when it comes to messaging? Well, uh, Chris, the most common habit is so natural and it's so easy to fall into. It's talking about ourselves too much. And this plays out in everyday conversations. It especially plays out in social media. Probably no big surprise to anybody who's on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, but research shows that 80% of the time in social media, people are talking about themselves. And all of that tends to spill over into our businesses. It spills over into websites and advertising, other promotional language. So if you look at your own stuff, you're likely to see a lot more I and we than you will see you. 
People just get into comfortable habits, and it's most comfortable for us to talk about the things we know, which is ourselves and our company and our products. We're surrounded by it every day, so that continues to get reinforced over and over again inside the business. It is not completely our fault. We can blame our brains. Brain science shows that when we speak about ourselves, there are certain areas of our brains that become more activated, and those are the exact same brain spaces that link to the feelings of pleasure that we also get from a great meal and even sex. So we're chemically drawn to the habit of talking about ourselves because because it feels good. And there's a related point is the trap of talking in industry language. I mean, the bottled water industry is no different than most, and um, is that we tend to get caught up in our own language, our own lingo, our acronyms. Uh, one of the examples that I share in some of my talks comes from the watch industry. So, Chris, if you were to look at watch advertising, so in, in magazines or billboards or online, you'll probably notice something unusual. About 95% of the time, the actual time set on those watches is 1010 or something very close to it. Now, that's been the case for two generations. It wasn't always the case. Um, back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, um, if you look back at those print advertisements long before TV and, and the like, you would see ads for watches and pocket watches, and the time was typically set to about 8.20, right? But something happened in the middle of the last century is there began a focus on subliminal advertising and people thinking that there would be hidden messages in ads and that might you know, prompt people to buy more stuff. And a lot of people were looking at a watch face and thinking that it somewhat resembled a human face and that the hands on a watch, say if it were set at 820, would kind of look like a frowning face. And that wasn't going to persuade anyone subliminally or otherwise to buy a watch. But if you set the hands at 1010, then very, very subtly, it looked like a smile. And so what happened is that all the watch manufacturers, with very few exceptions, uh, started showing watches set to 1010. They were all kind of following the same assumption. It turns out that assumption really is so much rubbish. It, it doesn't make any, it doesn't have any effect on how people buy watches or clocks. But it even has carried over into digital watches, which obviously do not have a face, but they're still generally set to 10.09, 10.10, something like that in the ad. So, um, and now we're at the point where if you ask people in the watch industry, they all know about the industry practice, but no one has any idea where it started or why it began. So <laughs> I will say that the biggest messages, and they're very, very common um, to break free of, is the tendency to talk about ourselves and the things we're most comfortable with, and also the tendency to fall into the same language that everybody else in the industry uses. Now, you're a former chief marketing officer for Mountain Valley Spring Company, and its marketing and PR program has been recognized as among the best in the industry. What's responsible for their success? Well, my time leading marketing for Mountain Valley was, uh, was several years ago. I had more hair. Uh, so I can't speak to the present day, but um, I can say, first of all, thank you. Our, our team was very proud of the work we did. Uh, we acquired the company in 2004. Uh, Mountain Valley was, even at that time, a more than 130-year-old brand, but it needed some uh, revitalization. It had been uh, pretty stagnant from the previous years, even while the bottled water industry was growing. So we needed to shake things up. 
and, and we changed a lot. We changed our message, our website, our packaging, our product portfolio. Uh, eventually, we won a Best of Show Aqua Award and some other individual Aqua Awards, plus an award from the Glass Packaging Institute. So we had some external uh, validation of what we were doing, but of course, you know, the real measures in the marketplace. And we, we felt like we needed to get back to our roots, but also connect with modern consumers when it came to what is a niche um, spring water brand. Sometimes you, you come into a situation like that and you just have to rethink what's been done. You don't want to, you don't want to change everything. We, we felt like there were some good solid parts about our heritage and our tradition, but we also felt like we had to get in step with what consumers wanted at the time. And I'll say to, to everyone, as you're thinking about your own message uh, here in the modern day, you know, those things about your, your traditions, your heritage, your values, and then also what's more, um, more modern conveniences, those things don't necessarily have to be in conflict. I remember back in that day, we would talk internally about who we thought was going to be our Mountain Valley customer going forward. We used the term new traditionalist. So it was someone who cared about the basics of health and taste and history, but was also drawn to the aspirations about convenience and environmental protection and community. So those were the foundations that we used at the time. Um, they were generally successful for us. And I think there's some lessons that, that your listeners can use today. Now, looking a bit more broadly at the bottled water industry today, what's the most important thing that companies should be doing? And what do you think is the biggest misstep that you see brands making today? Well, the first thing to acknowledge uh, and to celebrate, Chris, is that the industry is in a really good place right now. I mean, there are good reasons bottled water is the most uh, popular packaged beverage now in the U.S. So I think uh, as we can talk about some good ways to continue to reinforce and share that good news and the social proof with it is a, is a very good thing. So we're in a good position. I think if there's a common misstep is trying to, as I would say, educate the market, right? And that can be just a very frustrating sort of thing if you think that people just aren't getting it. When I think about managing the message for bottled water, I think about very simply uh, three areas um, we can talk about here real briefly. And the areas are science, social proof, and stories. I think these will be uh, winning strategies for listeners in their markets as long as you make sure that everyone in your business is equipped. So science includes all of that great information that we know about hydration, health, appearance, uh, and, and that stuff is true and that's part of the reason for the growing and continuing popularity of bottled water. Social proof, that's about revealing to consumers what other people like them are doing. And that certainly includes the fact that bottled water now has that number one position uh, among packaged beverages in the, in the country. That can also be very effective at your individual market or a community level. So if you have a leading market share, for example, uh, in the community or communities you serve, then that's something to just continue to reinforce because people are drawn to what people that they consider to be like them are already doing. And then stories are a big deal. And, and listeners, it's likely that your business is, an, is a treasure trove of stories about customers and their experiences with you. So think about the stories that you share inside the business and are there ways that you can equip everyone to be able to share those outside the business as well. Now, I remember we used to share stories from our HOD operation years ago. And to this day, I remember uh, a story of a particular route driver whose customers just, just loved him. He was in a uh, smaller uh, community in Mississippi. And there was one customer 
uh, a single older lady. Uh, he'd been making deliveries to her home for probably eight, nine years. One day, uh, that uh, lady was not at home for her regularly scheduled delivery. Not only did she leave the door unlocked, so um, so this route driver could could bring in the delivery, but she had also prepared lunch for that driver on a uh, on a paper plate that he could take with him and had written out a thank you note. I mean, how cool is, is something like that? And so there are probably again those sorts of stories about customers about great ways that you're serving them and to be able to package those things up. So I think science, social proof and stories are going to be a really good foundation for anyone uh, listening to this podcast. Now, the bottled water industry is very competitive today, as you can imagine. So what other advice can you give to companies to help them make their brand stand out and have their own voice? I think very simply, uh, take advantage of the unique opportunities that you have. When I was leading marketing for Mountain Valley, I would occasionally be at conferences with people who were leading marketing in different uh, companies in different industries. And I could tell you they were so jealous because so often their whole world was about trying to get attention from, from their customers and prospective customers, right? They, they lacked any sort of individual or personal touch. Well, especially on the HOD side, hey, we get invited into people's homes and offices on a regular basis. There are opportunities here to, to actually be in conversation, uh, to sample, to donate, making sure that those contacts get translated into meaningful conversations and ways to leverage personal face-to-face -face opportunities. I know it's a bit of a trade-off because even back in the day, we used to try to balance how efficient we were at making deliveries versus the opportunities to reinforce, deepen the relationships with customers and do some cross-selling as well. I could say, if, if anything, just realize that especially in the HOD world, but really across bottled water, we have a, a lot of high touch opportunities to make sure that we make uh, the most of those. And what kind of innovative marketing strategies or tactics have you noticed that are working well with today's customers? Well, we, uh, we spoke earlier about uh, authenticity. There's also a big focus with today's customers on their total experience. And so when I talk about managing the message in those real-time real offline conversations, I mean, clearly there is overlap into social media, into other points of communication. So I don't know if this is really innovative, but it certainly has been effective across a lot of different and similar industries is to make sure those stories, those images get carried over into your website, into social media, into community engagement. As we talked about, bottled water is personal as well as a lifestyle choice. And sometimes when it comes to areas such as websites, I find that they we're, we're talking about ourselves a little too much and it's kind of a product focused message. If you see on, on websites, it's, you know, it looks like a catalog or here's the stuff you can buy from us and we'll tell you about the water. Well, that of course is important, but if this is something that really is personal, if it's about an experience, if it's about convenience and taste and health and lifestyle, then you'd want to make sure that those elements come through loud and clear on your website, social media, the other ways that you're out in, in communities donating and, um, and engaging and sampling with people. It really should apply across the board. What questions or factors should brands consider before marketing to their customers? Oh, great, great question. And let's just keep it real simple here and break that into a couple of parts. I'd say specifically, there's marketing to your current customers um, as well as marketing to prospects, prospective customers. The current customers that you have, the great news is they, they know you, they like you. Uh, we want to make it easy for them to recommend you. 
Um, and also, don't assume that they know all the ways that they can buy from you. Don't assume that they know all the ways that you can help them. I find this to be um, certainly not just in the, the water industry, but across a lot of consumer industries where you've got multiple products, multiple solutions to offer. It tends to be the case that even longstanding current customers don't know all the stuff you have. And because we we kind of internally get into a habit about just kind of reinforcements, reorders, is everything okay? Yeah, yeah, fine. And then occasionally there may be some sort of new product promotion, et cetera, but that needs to be reinforced. And so make sure among current customers that you're continuing to reinforce the good things that they say about you, but that they know um, additional ways that you can serve them and help them. And then when it comes to prospective customers, at one level, of course, you know, everybody can be a customer for bottled water because it's it's good for everyone. It's a it's a simple, repeatable, uh, inexpensive consumer product. But I think it makes sense to prioritize. And the easiest way to start prioritizing prospects is think about the people who are like your best customers today, where they live, what they tend to buy, the products that they tend to buy together. And then think about, well, how do we find more people like them? So let's use on our website and in social media and in conversations, the testimonials from your best customers who are like them. The trap can be because you can theoretically serve pretty much everyone in your market is to approach prospects as some kind of undifferentiated blob, you know, and just go after everyone. Yes, at some level, everyone can drink bottled water, but there's more precision involved. So think about your next really good customers who are probably going to be a lot like your best current customers. Now, the bottled water industry is as healthy as it's ever been, and sales and consumption continue to grow. And for the past three years in a row, uh, bottled water is the number one packaged beverage in the United States, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. What do you think this says about consumers? Well, they're obviously pretty smart, Chris. <laughs> they're making very good choices. I, you know, as we touched on earlier, there's a lot of good news in the industry. And I think consumers, especially for something like this, when people have so many different options, uh, what they can buy for themselves these days, they are choosing health, they're choosing convenience, they're choosing good taste and a good experience. And I think they're also choosing a good why, as people would say. You know, there a lot of consumers today are really focused on the why, the, the essence uh, behind your business. And so I find that uh, companies in the bottled water business and all parts of it have an excellent why. They're, we're providing something that is natural and healthy and good for people. There's a lot of care for the environment. Things are being done in a very responsible way. And I see companies that are helping their communities and they donate to and support you know, road races and community events and, and organizations and do so in a very tangible and helpful way. Those are all good elements. And so I think it says that consumers are thinking very well about what's good for themselves, what's good for their families and what's good for their communities. Now, what do you think this says about the industry? Also good news there, Chris. Uh, the good news is, you know, the industry uh, must by and large be meeting those consumer needs. Of course, nothing uh, attracts competition quite like success. So no one should be able to, to rest on their laurels. And I, I think the danger could be, and I don't see evidence in the 
in the industry today that people are sitting around being too comfortable. But again, you know, you, you can be considered a commodity. And, and so one of the three pillars of what I call uh, the message management model is, is about the message itself. And is that distinctive? I tend to think about the message, the messengers, and the management habits that, that keep those things together. Bottled water has several distinct elements that other beverages cannot match. It's important to keep those distinctive elements in the forefront. And so that we're not just another thing that people can consume, but that bottled water has a special place that will forever keep it distinctive. Now, do you think the popularity of bottled water is a trend or part of a larger shift in our lifestyle? Well, I consider it to be a trend, but in the best sense of that word, it's not a fad. Um, that's been coming for a long time. You know, bottled water's position now as the number one packaged beverage uh, has been building over the course of a few decades. Uh, back in my Mountain Valley days, we were looking at the trend lines, right, and looking at carbonated soft drinks and how it was flat or starting to even decline in our growth period and projecting when are the lines going to cross. So this has been building for a while, and I think it's around that word uh, lifestyle that you mentioned. Bottled water continues to grow as a category because it fits into consumers' lifestyles. When your product, your brand, becomes a natural and important part of everyone's day-to-day lives, then you're in a great position. So let's keep that focus. Remember, we're not a price play. Um, we're something that is part and parcel of people's lives. And uh, and I would just reinforce remembering how HOD in particular has that built-in personal connection. So do your route drivers, do your call center colleagues, do they know the things that are most important about what you do? Do they know the product line? Do they know the benefits? Does everyone in the business know those things? Again, there's evidence from lots of other businesses that most of your current customers probably don't know all the things that they can buy from you. That applies to employees as well. I remember a few years ago, I was speaking with a friend of mine who ran a uh, national fast casual restaurant business. And of course, in the restaurant world, the menu is a very literal thing. And, And she was saying when she came in, more of her employees knew how to apply for vacation time than knew what was on the menu of their restaurants. And so um, my recommendation is to um, appreciate the position of the industry right now, but continue to deepen the opportunities in your community, continue to deepen the relationships with your customers and build the knowledge and the conversational fluency of your employees, making sure they know what to say and when and to whom. All right, Jim. So my last question for you today is, where can people find more about managing the message and reach out to you if they have any additional questions? <laughs> this, this is where I'm going to fall into the talking about myself. I'll try to uh, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, first, um, really appreciate the opportunity here, and I would be happy to chat directly with any of your listeners. My email address is jim at jimcard.com. That's K-A-R-R-H. And my personal mobile number is also listed on the website, uh, jimcard.com. I also have a couple of free resources that your listeners might find valuable. The first, it's a brief weekly set of tips delivered via email called the Message Manager Memo. You can sign up in less than 10 seconds from the website, or you can just let me know and I'll add you to the list. The other free resource is, as you mentioned, Chris, a podcast. I watched the Manager Message podcast last fall. Uh, it's been terrific. Really like this medium. And uh, you can find the link through my website, jimcar.com, or you can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, all the usual places. 
All right. And there you have it, uh, Jim. Thanks again for coming on the show today and joining us. And there's definitely a lot that the listeners can take away about managing the message. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. And as always, thank you to the listeners for checking in with us. Remember to follow and subscribe to H2O in the Know on SoundCloud and iTunes. This is Chris Torres signing off. We'll see you next time. Music by royaltyfreemusiclibrary.com.